Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Gate for September 12th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate podcast feed on all podcast platforms applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red boxes that sponsors podcasts and you can set up a one time or reoccurring donation. I'm one of your hosts. It's your pal Mike. Join alongside Case Low. In case it's been a while, how are you, buddy? I missed you, Mike. I, I, it's, I, I'm very excited for tonight. This was something that uh, I've been looking forward to all day long. Yeah, it, I missed you too. It, it, this was the first all-out weekend that we didn't have like some some time where we would have been like we should have just brought a microphone and recorded this area. Like I, I was up there in Chicago all by my lonesome, and you weren't around. No, this is the first time that I haven't been involved in wrestling during Labor Day weekend and, uh, you know, obviously 2020, but I was at All In. I was at All Out 2019 and 21 and 22, and then I was back home in Indiana uh, celebrating my father's 60th birthday last week, and we missed each other, and I, I missed recording with you. Uh, we, we took an off week last week, and then, boy, oh, boy, do we just have a ton of stuff to get into tonight. Yeah, so let's get into this uh, case. I meant to spring this on you. Sorry, this is a surprise. We're no longer open the voice gate because this week it's some. Cool. Well, by talk. the way, by the way, good. I would love to change the, change the name of this podcast. We are just in too deep, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's over 300 episodes. Case. We're yeah, I did, look, I did not, I did not vote for this name when this podcast was founded. I, 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 I wasn't a part of this podcast <laughs> when it was founded. I don't like the name of this show. But we're in too deep. I it there's we're not rebranding, unfortunately. And like I would love for there to be a powerful corporation with the initials OTVG so that they could sue us WWF style and that we would be forced to rebrand. Until that happens, unfortunately, we're sticking with the name. But for tonight, please let's live in an alternate reality where we're no longer open the voice gate. Welcome to TN Talk. Oh where we, baby. Where we I, Michael Spears. Alongside Case, I will talk to you about the hottest new prospect in all of professional wrestling. That's TN Revolution, 
who made his debut on the 7th in the main event of Dragon Gate's uh, Cork and Hall show. Of course, TN Revolution is the renamed uh, Takuma Nishikawa, who I, I, I don't even know how to kind of like segue into this talking about this guy. It, it, it's something where this break kind of worked out in a way because when we did our last episode that we had a lot of talk that we were kind of like, well, does kind of feel like we're tapping our foot a little bit for this September 7th Cork and Hall show. And lo and behold, out comes Takuma Nishikawa and things have changed, Case. I warned people a year ago when Nishikawa debuted. And at this point, we're talking about a company that still had SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara, albeit in Mexico. We had a huge crop of young guys debuting. This is right around the time that Kato debuted. Daiki Yanagiyuchi was waiting in the wings. We had, you know, younger wrestlers like Kakuta and Jackie Funk and Kamei really starting to find their own place on this roster. And I told everybody, do not forget about Takuma Nishikawa. This guy is going to be a big deal. And then we found out he was coming back to Japan. He was main eventing this show. Everybody knew at that point this match was going to be a big deal. There was going to be spectacle around it. And yet I left this Cork and Hall show on September 7th being shocked at just how big of a deal this felt. I was not prepared for my own advice I was really, really blown away, not by the in-ring, not by, you know, his wrestling ability from start to end, entrance to closing promo and the wrestling in between as an entire segment. It just completely wowed me. Yeah, and it's something where we'll get into the particulars of TN as we get through this episode Uh immediately it takes you back and it was not of course the exact same thing but the way he came out and the way that things changed in this match so the main event this was takuma nishikawa's japan debut match main event of the september 7th cork and he teamed with yamato dragon kid against d courage i feel like that the the, the closest like similarity i have is when you watch the Torimon Japan landing and the way you kind of felt about Magnum, like there was like a certain physical magnetism that the, the, the closest similarity to me, at, at least from that. And the more that as he appeared on the house shows, in Yamagata and Awate last weekend, the more he kind of like pops off the screen as its own different presence. And it was not what I expected in that kind of aspect, I would say. So you would, you would say he's more Magnum than Milano. Yeah, like the the the, the Milano thing is like I, I I feel like the brain goes there first, right? Yeah, like, look, I, I and I'm not arguing because I still I've never seen a wrestler like Milano Collection AT. To me, he is he probably has the the singular most unique charisma of anyone ever. I, so it's not it's not a knock, but that's interesting because the comparison point, and rightfully so, has been Milano. I haven't really heard anybody bring up Magnum. That's a very interesting point by you. So please go ahead. Yeah. So uh, just I, I'll address that. Like the the thing about Milano that you hit on is like I kind of view him as a one of one kind of figure. Like there was a reason that they did the mascot based off of his character because he had that level of charisma and difference. And in the same kind of way, 
Magnum Tokyo had that. It was his own kind of energy. And, and I think that's why the brain goes to these two kind of figures. Because when you look at Tien, uh, he, his body does kind of remind you of Milano, a lot better built, of course. And it, it, it is something that it's the composure slash I don't give a fuck about him that really screams Magnum to me. That's that's really interesting. You know, I didn't pick up on that, uh, but I, I certainly think there's truth there. And it, it's an idea worth exploring, you know, as we as we really jump right into this, you know, we're, we're, we're at an interesting crossroads here because I mean and stand by everything that I've said over the last three years on this show, where I think the company is in great hands with Yoshioka and Kakuta and Shun Skywalker. I also think it's objectively true that Takuma Nishikawa on his debut brought forth a different energy and charisma, a main event energy and charisma that simply does not exist within this promotion right now. There's a lot of talented guys and then Nishikawa is off in his own bubble. And that is really interesting. Yeah, and, and I think that is a kind of charisma that you can't really, like, teach. Like and you, you can't te teach that. Yep, yep. Uh, all right there, big kids. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's something with him that, like, the next two months of, uh, of Revolution's career are going to be fascinating because, like, you have someone that, in a way that yes, it's it, it's not completely fair to compare his debuts to the the ones that happened before April of this year, just because of reaction and all of that. But I kind of came away from this week, and the and, and not just here, and just like to to open up a little bit wider. Uh, the, the he had a match in Awate against Ryoya Tanaka, who is someone that felt like it was being made a big deal of because he had the the appearance on the television program this is dragon gate about his dojo thing and we we said you need to kind of like he's going to get opportunities yeah and everybody's super high on tanaka i mean he's still you know he's a blue chip prospect yeah and it was something where at this awate show i really encourage everyone to go out and seek this it's on the dragon gate youtube it's three minutes long you just kind of completely forget about Tanaka and all of that. And it was one of those things during that I was like, oh, TN is he's different. And it is something where I say two months it's going to be fascinating because I think two months from now we'll see how he where he like adjusts to it and how things kind of meld around him in a way because the it, he has flaws and he will grow. Uh Jay did a great job. I, I would say if you're looking at like a commentator who's finding a way to cover for weaknesses jay did an incredible job in this call talking about well you know the the, the thing is is that everyone says like when you go on excursion it takes you a bit to get back to dragon gates ring speed and they like that because like the, the, there were some things that I, I i think it would be dishonest not to admit that like he wasn't the smoothest it, it's still like kind of a work in progress but i think after about two months, and we already kind of saw that going into the weekend in the match in Tan with Tanaka, he's going to adjust pretty quickly, and it's just going to be like how much like this aura about him exists and how the company kind of treats that over the next two months. And that's why I think it's going to be the fascinating thing about him. I, I want to first mention, Jay is such a good commentator. 
I mean, he's he has such a knack for this, and he doesn't really want to have a knack for this. I I am of the belief he begrudgingly does commentary. He also will never believe he's as good as he is, but he he is so good, and I I, I just I really enjoy listening to him work, and I thought he was just absolutely terrific uh, uh, calling the main event there. You talk about two months in the future. Uh, I'll go one further, and I, I think the date that needs to be circled in everybody's calendar is January 27th because that is when they're doing the Gate of Bayside in Yokohama Budokan. That's in Kanagawa, which is his home prefecture. You know, oh, he's, got a, he, he's got a hometown show coming up in three months, and it's the first time <laughs> they've really broken into that market. Wh- where my head is at immediately is that show to me should be revolving around he and Kai in some sort of triangle gate match. I am of the belief he should not really be in high level singles competition for quite a while because I don't think he's ready for that. I love the Tanaka match. I hope he wrestles Fuda. I hope he wrestles, uh, you know, Tanaka again. I hope he wrestles Nagano. All the young guys, except for Junior and Kato, who I think he should be kept away with, uh, kept away from rather, for quite a while. Ease him in with these quick house show matches on TV. They're doing the right thing so far. They're having him in multi mans. As we transition to next year, have him work Kamei, have him work Jason, have him work UT, have him work those guys that you know you can trust, and then hopefully by dead or alive by world, by king of gate, whenever that may fall next year. At that point, he has that polish. Of course, he won his debut match in the main event of Cork and Hall. They might want to expedite those plans, but my initial concern is that we're going to be in a too much, too fast, too soon scenario with a guy who is immensely talented, who will only get better, but needs room to get better. Yeah, and... Thinking along those lines, case I would encourage people to, if you have time, to go through and look at how the company treated Binkei from 2017 until about mid-2019. I think that it's not going to be in that level of kind of like baby steps with him. I think that for where he's at right now is much farther along ring-wise than Binkei was at the similar tentpole. But, yeah, uh, I mean, Ben Ben was so explosive that he took us all by surprise. But 2016, Ben K. They weren't letting him do he, a whole lot. No, he wasn't having this kind of match. Now, of course, and Open the Voice Gate listeners can play the hits here. You know, mark this on your bingo card. 12-1-16, veterans versus rookies. Ben is obviously in that match. But that's Ben getting his ass kicked by Don Fuji and getting kicked in the face by Shima. And while that does take skill, it's a different type of skill than what we saw here from, from Takuma. Yeah, but but it's something where I think, though, in the similar kind of way of how things were treated with with him, they are going to like make sure that a lot of trios, I think, and it's one of those things that I pulled up the uh, friendly geora.co.jp backslash Dragon Gate, the official website of Dragon Gate Japan Pro Wrestling. And for the first time, there's been some updated graphics on the roster page case, uh, sp- particularly two people. 
I was, uh, I was, I was going to mention this. I, we didn't even talk about this, so go ahead. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Well, the, the way that this worked case is that when you brought up Yokohama, I was like, really? Is he really from Kanagawa, Yokohama yes. area? I was like, oh, yeah. No, he, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and, and as I pulled up old Tien, I saw a little photo right next to him. Uh, Diamante unmasked as a uh, baby face uh, put in the, the uh, regular army. But the thing is that this is clearly the photo from the cork and farewell that he did. Like yes, yeah. Uh, unmasked Diamante, still listed as Diamante, but no longer in Zebrats and unmasked. And I was going to bring this up, whether Gaiora had changed his official photo or not. Luckily, they did. It gives us a little more uh, a juice and believability. But just to remind people, Diamante, still with Dragon Gate, planned time off. The more time he spends away from Japan the more I believe that he was injured at World. Uh, you you got to remember, this guy missed most of the first half of the year with various injuries, and then he took a vicious fall on his shoulder at World. I personally believe he had scheduled time off anyways, but now it's working as injury rehab. I have yet to be able to get that to be confirmed, but Diamante still with Dragon Gate. Nobody panic. Yeah, it's something where, I mean, the, the guy has been like tweeting like pretty much you live a good in, life yeah yeah it's twing nonstop in japanese like it's one of those things that like he if he was leaving the company he would have probably not be tweeting in japanese you know it's one of those things that did you, did you see his nickname by the way i didn't know diamante was billed as the mexican runaway locomotive that is an all-time great nickname yeah because it used to be mexican power yeah for the longest time mexican runaway locomotive is and, the type of thing that i need a t-shirt of I think it's kind of similar to Naruki Doi's uh, Rampaging Muscle nickname, in a way. Another great nickname. Yeah, 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 because it used to be put down as Runaway Muscle, but it meant, like, Rampaging. But it just was kind of how it was translated. I wonder if it's, which I think would be even better, Mexican Rampaging Locomotive. That's fantastic. Uh, this, I mean, this guy this guy is going to be such a big deal when he comes back. And I, I've, I, I asked when he announced he was leaving Mexico or leaving Japan for Mexico. And then I followed up again with somebody I, recently where I was like, are you sure this isn't going to hurt a star power? Because I have American brain. And I would just think if somebody on AEW said, I'm going away for a little bit, I'll be back. It would worry me about their, their long-term success. But I've been reassured by people that live in Japan that go to shows. No, when he comes back, this dude is going to be so over. Yeah. And I, I, I guess, and we're at a point right now where I, I've got to feel like that after this initial thing where uh, TN has said repeatedly um, that no one's on his level, that he was so excited to come back here. And uh, I, I love the line in his promo where he's like, why did I win this match? There's the five-time Dreamgate champion, the current Dreamgate champion. I'm a little sad that I was the one who won this match. Uh, but he has... It, it, it's something where I feel like that you can do these things kind of for a little bit. I mean, looking at the schedule at the very least, like it's not like that if he's still kind of doing these things in November, I will kind of go like, where's, where's Louise? Like that you kind of need to do that there. But I think for like right now, it it, it is kind of that that is an aspect about him that I think also sets him apart is his ability to kind of cut those promos. Okay, so we, we've we've sort of gone big picture here on Nishikawa. Let's let's really break down 
start to finish. And we'll reference that promo again at the end. But start to finish, we really need to go through the entire segment. You know, D-Courage comes out first, and then you have Yamato's music hit, and it's Dragon Kid, and then Yamato, and then Nishikawa. And right there by itself, I was like, I, I, you know, I kind of expected him to come out to Dragon Storm. I, I wasn't expecting him, if he was going to come out to Yamato's music, I thought he would be first the curtain, but he follows Yamato, and immediately, the eruption that he got, this is what I was not expecting. I knew he was going to be presented as a star. I knew he was going to be a big deal. I wasn't sure if he was going to win the match. It didn't shock me that he won the match. What I wasn't expecting, and this is where, you know, maybe maybe you saw into this more than I did. He was beloved by this Corican audience. By the way, 1,300 fans, uh, best number they've done all year. But, oh my God, the signs, the chance, just the sheer, the sort of buzz that has gone away post-COVID, the buzz was there. And that is what caught me completely off guard watching live in the moment and really made me buckle down and go, oh my God, this is actually a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. And I was telling everybody this is a big deal because this crowd somehow, some way has already embraced him as not only one of their own, but as a star. And it was something that I feel like that transferred across in the match because like it, it, it was something that, that I picked up on that it's a palatable like tenor change in a way. I I I feel like that 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 was like the difference between him coming out and then how like Decourage comes out. You know, it just was it, it it was something that if crowd noise could be like physical like electricity, you felt the electricity even sitting at home with with him, and it transferred across. Like I know it's like during uh because like he comes out and then they do introductions, you you started getting m- more. Uh, dia calls and i feel like we've been getting in a long time like it, it in some way the energy went across the entire match and with the crowd reaction i felt like yeah no I, it was it was such a startling presentation to begin with i really i i just i wasn't expecting it i i feel like i have a pretty good read on things you know i was really upfront about you know Nishikawa, pay attention to him, big deal. And I mean, this this completely floored me. And then you know they do the thing where they have Daya and Dragon Kid start, and then you go into Yoshioka versus Yamato, and then Nishikawa's first time in the ring. It's him versus the current Open the Dreamgate champion and Madoka Kakuta. Table your thoughts on Kakuta. We'll get to him in just a little bit. I have a lot of thoughts regarding the current Dreamgate champion, but they shoulder block. Nishikawa looks tough. He looks big which I think is very important. He looked physically imposing in there with the Dreamgate champion, which should always be a hint hint at this guy's ceiling. He looks like a main eventer, and that is half the battle, and even in a promotion like this. And then it's a drop kick, and then all of a sudden, Takuma Nishikawa, six feet tall, maybe the biggest guy on the roster, takes flight and throws a wicked Tope Suicida. It wipes out Kakuta, it wipes out Mochizuki Jr. He lands on the boss of the Let Corporation. And if you look at the still photos, Yamato is on the apron with his jaw on the floor. Yamato, to me, does not seem like the most excitable man in the world. He was blown away by what he just saw. And that, that is when you can really rub your hands together and go, I don't know what's coming next. 
I don't know what we're about to witness. This is a special match. It might not be the match of the year, but this is something that I will remember until the end of time. We have entered rarefied air, and if that entrance wasn't enough, that Tope Suicida marked everything that we need to know about this guy. Hey, it, maybe Yamato slack jaws was going maybe his reaction was like oh crap not mr nagamori jesus christ not <laughs> him all, hey brother that's kind of my <laughs> kind of a source of income for me <laughs> hey no, nagamori was like i kind of kept him out of the corner of my eye as things moved in there he was like checking on junior he's like are you okay man <laughs> Ju- junior got destroyed on that dive i mean credit yeah, to him oh my god did he get drilled all of it if i, I retweeted this on my account and I put this in the Voices of Wrestling Discord Dragon Gate channel, but the Leck Corporation boss was taking a photo of the dive as it was coming towards him. He has such an amazing angle of Nishikawa flying through the air and by proxy at him moments before Nishikawa landed his lap. The whole thing, like that in itself, was just mind-blowing. Again, it was it really was sort of a the air went out of the room because we all went like, oh, this is this is different. You know, this isn't the Ben debut. This isn't the SB Kento debut, which I pegged him, you know, at the time as a, as a, as a big future Dragon Gate star. You know, this is something, this isn't even Mochizuki Jr. You know, this is a gloves off debut. And that's what we got from there. So you've got the big dive to the floor. You know, very shortly after that, he's back in the ring. And I love that they immediately lean into, uh, you know, dare I say Yave, but at the very least, a Mexican-inspired submission, uh, Lucha-inspired submission with sort of the tombstone legs-cross deal that he's doing on Dragon Daya. That Agave. Seems to be, yes, that seems to be a staple of his moveset. How, how do you feel about that? I think with his size, it looks like a killer. That's how he finished off Tanaka yes. and Awate. Uh it is something, though, I mean, you know, with, with a roster of this size, like, you, you're not going to be getting up Shimizu for that, but you're probably not going to to begin with, you That's, know. But oh, I, man, I would love to see that. But I think it's something where I kind of, I, I like him uh, showing that move there, but I kind of want, like, the, the, because the way that he bent Tanaka on the house show is how I would want him to be bending Daya and Corkin. If it, it like if that makes sense, like it, it is something where don't necessarily like the idea that his now already defined submission finish was kind of just thrown out there. Like like th- there is that a little bit to me, but I thought the section was good. I it, it is something where with uh oh, with Tien that it's going to be kind of interesting who they put him up with it because I feel like we've already seen on the house shows and such that it's. He's getting the he's working natural vibes for a good reason. And it's not yep. because they need baby faces. Yep. That's that that's a great point. You know, I I, I would look at this roster. I I wouldn't put him near gold class for quite a while, you know, especially with Minorita gone. You know, you're relying on that point at at Minora and Ben and Hulk. And if I have, you know, a, a diamond jewel, I'm not cr- I'm not trusting any of those three guys with keeping it safe. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No. It, 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 and it's something that for him, like phasing him in, you're putting him against KZ, who has worked in Mexico. You just put, yeah. you put him in with UT, who had the exact same kind of debut scheme as he did. Yes. Like, it, it, it sets him up for a better path to success in transitioning back to Japan. 
uh, after that, Nishikawa leaves the ring for a little bit. We get a good spot with Kakuta and Yamato. Again, we'll talk about Kakuta in a minute, but very high-intensity stuff there. Back in the ring is Nishikawa. Uh, rarely do we go move by move here, but I, I think it's worth it as we talk about this debut. You know, he takes a big train of offerings from D-Courage and then fights back. You get a Dragon Kid Frankensteiner into a Nishikawa Sunset Flip powerbomb. I think that was on Yoshioka. Um, but Nishikawa hits up with the Frankensteiner and then he rolls through and Nishikawa does a sunset flip sort of off the top rope there, uh, which was, it was slow. You know, he, he didn't nail the timing of it, but the, the finished product looked okay. And after that, Kakuta breaks up the pin. And then here's where I thought things got really interesting. You get this forearm battle between Nishikawa and Kakuta. And then at one point, Nishikawa rears back and he throttles the open the dream gate champion with an overhand chop. And this was, this was as nasty as anything Yamato would throw or Don Fuji would throw or Ata would throw Mike. This was like a hall of fame level chop. And it made me sad. You know why? Did it remind you of Masadi Yoshino? Yep. Because yeah. it was very clearly him because the thing about uh, Nishikawa was that he was a collegiate level infielder. Like yes. he, uh, 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 he is actually like I know that uh, both uh, Yoshino and Doi made it to Koshin. I don't know about uh, I, I don't know about Nishikawa, but he continued on through after high school, so he went he made it to a higher level, I guess, of baseball. But the fact that like he and, and again, I know I'm referring to a match that uh, for later on there that it, he has the best overhand chop I've seen. Like, and it is something that. The fact that he's doing that, that the uh, baseball chop, and he's doing it like in this way in his debut match, it just makes me sad because you can't, because the company won't refer to, obviously to who he's making the homage to. Like, that sucks. Like, objectively, that sucks. No, the, the Glee's got Yoshino pretending like he's never seen SB Kento wrestle before. It's, you know, good, good, yeah. good, good use of both of their careers. Really glad it worked out the way it did for them. Um, so he throws, a, he throws this chop that, it caused me to audibly go, oh, shit. And then Kakuta comes back with a hip attack. Uh, from there, now the match really picks up as they hit the finishing stretch. The, the spot that I feel like has been passed around the most is Daya goes for a string of moves. Nishikawa does the sort of Mission Impossible, dodges the kick by doing the, the, the you know, the, he, the kip up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He dodges yeah, he the does move, does a kip up, and then... The, the, yeah, the Matrix. Is it the Matrix? Yeah, I, yeah the Matrix. Thank you. Yeah. And then hits Daya with a super kick. He didn't fully nail the super kick on Daya. And then he made up for that in his next two matches, in particular the Tanaka match, where he hit all of that super kick. So does that against Daya. And that's when Corkin breaks into these huge Takuma, Takuma chants. And from there, we have the finishing stretch where he hits uh, what he's dubbed the limit bomb on Dragon Daya, and he gets the win in 14 minutes and 20 seconds. A shocking result just for the sake of how dominant he looked. Like we said at the top, a lot of comparisons to Milano Collection AT in his debut, where he, for lack of a better term, and pardon my French, bitched out Rio Saito and made him look like an idiot in a two out of three falls match. This was not as one-sided as the Milano debut, but I... I don't think in the last 22 years uh, there's been a dominant debut like this. Yeah, like 
this is something that remember how we reacted about like Yoshiki Kato getting falls in future matches yeah, like, in, hey. in, the ex- in the exhibition match with punch yeah yeah and that was like oh he's just a big guy and these weaklings can't do it this is someone that he is i i don't know if i would call him the classic frontline player immediately but he is someone that is easily now of a station that uh yoshiki kato will probably take years to get to like fair yeah and and that's not a knock on kato no no it's not it's just things are different with tn and it is just something that I was asked about uh, his uh, the path TM took, and I kind of wanted to pose it to you. It, is it something where that this the reason why we go to Milano and Magnum the, the path that he took the traditional path it, it, like UT, or is it something where some of this is just him? I I, I wonder how much of it are we, should we be giving credit? I guess. I don't think it's an accident that this is the path that he was assigned. You know, I it, all, all of this seems very intentional. His time in Mexico was as as Jay described on this podcast, you know, he was he was thrown to the wolves a little bit, but he was also older. He went to Mexico when he was 25, he's 26 now, and he took it very seriously and he developed at a rate that the company seemed to be happy with. And from there, you know, he, he's back here. I, I None of this seems like an accident. I think his size, the fact that he wants to be a high flyer, which is, you know, lucrative in this company, this all seems very intentional. And I would I would imagine after this debut, they're thrilled with it. Yeah, and I guess, like, the intention there le- lends me to go to his name because he is now no longer Takuma Nishikawa. I've already kind of in my brain going like I'm just referring to him as TN from now on. He's now TN Revolution. Uh I I I it, it is something where I don't the the farther we get away from his debut, I wonder if this was planned or is something that's like hey, you know, Mexico all of that, but also the other guy is going by Takuma now. But, okay, like so, I, so originally I, yeah. Uh, originally i was more like no it is planned it is more planned but it's starting now to more for me maybe like this just because like takuma was such an easy call like i guess because i've seen like nickname of shion thrown uh, like shun like like but it's shion uh thrown around for him that i guess as a chant but it's just not as good as takuma you know so backtracking just for a second and then i have a lot to say about that so like you mentioned after the match post-match promo he's back he doesn't understand why he a rookie is winning a match with a with the current dreamgate champion five-time dreamgate champion which kakuta and yamato get in his face for which was great uh he's disappointed uh, that he won that zebrats comes out offers him a spot he says no not only do these guys suck but zebrats also sucks by the way i'm changing my name i'm here to revolutionize Dragate. my name is now tn revolution the knee-jerk reaction and the easy thing to do, and I'm not even saying you're wrong for this, but the name sucks, don't like the name, should have been Takuma Nishikawa, I get it. I still wish L. Lindemann was Yuga Hayashi, but L. Lindemann came up with the Dragon Gate system, and they change names and get weird, and this is just part of it. I talked to a number of Native fans who all had the same reaction, which was, we don't like it, but it's Dragon Gate. We sort of expected it. I will... I will mention this caveat, and this came from, again, somebody 
that lives in Japan that watches the product really closely. And I, I thought this was interesting. I, I, I'll talk about this real quick, and then I'll go to the, the Takuma name itself. But this person brought up a point that I think is really wise. And they said, I think Drangi really failed to read the room on that one with the sheer number of signs and fans that were already supporting him. All of those signs have to go in the trash now. Yeah. And like... that that is the one, like... I don't care about the name. We're going to get used to it in a month. It's just like an old bad NXT name. We all adapt. We all don't like the name at first. And then we all adapted to it. That is the one where it's like, huh? He already had a fan base with this name. It is really tough now to, you know, expect, expect something else. You know, Kento Kabune was not a massive star when he changed his name to SB Kento. Taketo Kamei didn't have a built-in fan base when he became Funky Jackie Kamei, and Funky Jackie Kamei didn't have a huge fan base when he became Jackie Funky Kamei. This one is different, and that sucks. And I, I, I can't get past that. It is my only critique on the name because other than that, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about, like, the fan club aspect because, like, yeah, no, I mean, handmade, well done, like, the Kuma Nishikawa signs now, like, have to maybe, but, like, the thing that sucks is, like, the, they were, like, cut out with, like, the kanji outlines, too. They like, killed it. It was, yeah, it was yeah. phenomenal. It, 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 if this was back in the old times, I'd be like, all right, I want to see what they're going to do for a support banner now, you know? Like, <laughs> now it's a Nazi trash, but, yeah, it, it, it it is something that there is a Dragon Gate aspect about that. And I am still someone that, like, it does not, I guess, in the end, really bother me too much. Like, Yeah, it, I, I, I just, I feel like it bounced off me. Like, I went, oh, yeah. that sucks. And then I just, I, it's not a, it's not a thing that I would dwell on. I, no, I, no. But, I, but right. I mean, maybe that's just, I've, I've been around the blocker time or two, again, when it, people don't remember when Yuga Hayashi, which was a great name, easy to say, easy to chant. When Yuga Hayashi changed his name to El Lindemann, it was uproar. People were like, "This is never going to work." They just, they just killed his potential. It was a whole big fucking thing. And you know what? El Lindemann has turned out okay. I, I'm, I'm gonna give a guy who was, uh, a very easily could be more talented than Lindemann, which is saying something coming from me. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he can work through this. And uh, I'm willing to guess that at the end of the day, there's a level of Ultimo to this that, like it or not, that's what we're going with. We still have someone who is trying to be a purple mask high flyer when that's not his best reality. As for, by the way, when I was looking, at, I, I don't mean to blow by that because when I was looking at the roster today and I was as I was preparing a segment that we're just about to do, I went, oh, yeah, Straya. Oh, shit. That's uh <laughs> forgot about him. Um hope, hope he's doing okay. But as for the name Takuma, and this is unconfirmed, I talked to somebody who I, I feel like if they would have changed the name because of Takuma Fujiwara, they would have told me that. I didn't ask directly, I just get the impression you or I would have heard that from somebody had that been the case i that's i would yeah. i wouldn't buy into that i i could be wrong but i really lean heavy into everything about nishikawa has had a very specific plan name included 
I just, I, I think it's, a, it, you can, you can draw those dots. You can connect those dots, but I don't think they're worthy of being connected. That's fair. That's fair. Then I guess, uh, uh, any other like big TN news thoughts before we go into our next thing? Yeah, I, I would, I would like to, uh, as we sort of transition here, I would like to rank the Dragon Gate future rookies that we've seen so far. So there are nine guys still active in the company, starting with, uh, who was the first one? Ishinihashi, I guess, is the first one there? Starting yeah. With, yeah, starting with Ishinihashi and going through TN Revolution, the potential, main event potential is what we're ranking here. Essentially, will these guys hold the Open the Dream Gate Championship? It is absurd that we are doing this after TN Revolution's first match. I also think it's fun, though. Yeah, so just so people know who we're referring to, the, the chronology here goes Ishin, Minorita, Fuda, Junior, Nagano, Kato, Yanagiuchi, Tanaka, and then TN. Uh, I think that, uh, do you want to go bottom up or you want to go top bottom? Well, let's go, let's go nine to one. Let's go nine to one. Uh, I, I have a tie for eighth right now, just because I look at these two and it's just, I, in a way, if we're projecting out, I think they're kind of interchangeable and that's a uh, Daiki and Nagano. I just don't see it. Yeah, I would have Daiki at nine and Nagano at eight. I ultimately just think Nagano will peak higher, whether that's a Brave Gate run or being a fun guy in a Twin Gate team. I don't know. I think he has a bit of a higher ceiling. Do I think any of them have, you know, quote unquote, main event potential? No, I do not. Yeah, and then after that, then I'd be we're talking about seventh place just because I just it's going to take a lot for him to kind of overcome to get there as Fuda. It's not a Oh, with our usual Ryu Fuda caveat there. I disagree. I will explain why later. We will we will have our Ryu Fuda discussion. Is that okay if we if we table that for just a minute? We can we can table our Ryu Fuda talk. Yes. Uh, my seventh place was Minorita. This is a size argument, not a talent argument. I am all for at some point in his career him challenging for the Dreamgate belt in Corkin. I would love to see that. But we have to be realistic here, and because of his size, he is uh, a seventh in my future potential rankings. All right, so my sixth on the future potential rankings, and this one pains me just because I kind of have a line right here that of uh, people who I can see ever uh, challenging and people not. I just don't see it with Ishan. I think Ishan's going to have like a fantastic career, but I just don't think uh, top top line players in his cards. I'm with you there. I had Ishin at the same spot. I think we've seen enough of a matured, grown-up Ishin, all caps Ishin, if you will. Unless there's, I don't want to say a massive change, but unless some things are really shaken up, I think I think we've seen where he's at. You know, he is a he is a good Brave Gate champion. He is talented enough to be in great matches. He might one day be a Dream Gate challenger. I have said since the beginning, and you know, we can we can sort of go over the the wake of guys that we've lost from this class just in the last three years, which is a different conversation. You know, when he debuted with his brother, I always pointed to Ricky's charisma. I said, Man, this guy, this guy is just different. I want to follow him into war. He has charisma that just makes him come across as a star to me. You were always a little bit more partial to Ishan. I think as we've seen Ishan develop and grow. There's there's a ceiling on where he's at. I don't look at it as a disappointment, uh, but I, I think we have to be realistic with where he can grow and develop from here on out unless there's a big change. And I, I don't see that in him. 
Yeah, it's something where with him, in a way, like you know what what reality is the reality where Ishan is a Dreamgate champion? Two thousand six. That's the reality yeah. Yeah. for him. Uh, a, a nice muscle outlaws. Heavy on the box attacks, heavy on the protein powder attacks. You know, he's wrestling Shima in a garbage Dreamgate match. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he essentially, he could have been the role that Magnitude Kishiwata played. Yeah, no, like, exactly. And it's just something that that's just not where the company's at. And that's just where, where things have gone over 17 years, you know? But, uh, and so, so there's my line, my tier right there, ending with Ish. And these are, so those four. Maybe there's a world where you can just really build up Daiki for a Cork and main event Dreamgate match. I just can't see it. It just does not seem like anything long or lasting. And that puts those four down here. And then we get to my X factor because I can see a world where this happens. Minorita is fifth for me. Okay. You know, I, I, he, he certainly has the talent. I, I've, yeah. I've learned to not count out Minorita. I, I wonder where exactly that takes him, and I really wonder what he's doing with either a name change or you know just a change in gold class. We could have this conversation a year from now, and I could think totally different. I'm still, I'm so curious as to what that next step is. But uh, for now, I've got him seventh, and you've got him fifth, correct? Yeah, and a lot of that is just he has done enough in his career so far to take himself out of the never tier. And into the, yeah, you know, Minorita gets on a thing like maybe Takumi Hayakawa, the shooter, comes out and he starts breaking ankles. And lo and behold, you got a streak going and then you got to go do a, a Edeon 2 Champion Gate Dreamgate match. You know, like I, I, I can't discount that now. Whereas this time last year, I've been like, get lost. What are you saying, this guy? What I'm about to say is unethical, but I would give both of my kidneys for Minorita to have a 2006 perk angle esque run. Exactly. Where he, is, he is roided up and quite frankly, scary to be around and just tapping out motherfuckers left and right. Oh, I would love it so much. Minorita on the last Mochi produce show that stuck with me. You know, I, I mean, there's so much wrestling now to begin with. I think very little resonates with people. It's, it's, I mean, it's a problem with content in general, but with wrestling, there's so much right now. And then you and I are so Dragon Geek focused. I, sometimes, sometimes things get washed and then forgotten about. Minorita embracing his grappling side is, boy, did that resonate with me. That has had me thinking some thoughts. Yeah, I'm just thinking like... Uh... Uh, if you ever are in a reality that you somehow have to book him again, uh, just send him there against old Danger Zone. He'll take care of it. Oh, so good. So it, my number... Or go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, and it could be a shoot, too. I was just going to bury Keisuke Akuda more. Don't mind me. <laughs> uh, this should be a weekly segment, the, the weekly Akuda burial. My number five, and this is where listeners at home are going to go, wait a minute, he hasn't said so-and-so yet. That's right. My number five... Ryoya Tanaka. I think this guy's very handsome. I think this guy's going to be very good. I find it so interesting the way he's developed. And I, I've mentioned this before. You know, normally Dragon Gate rookies have one or two really flashy matches, and people go, Oh, that's going to be a guy. Remember Nagano and the Hurricanas? Remember Minorita and his, you know, ability to get the shit kicked out of him? Remember Fuda kicking Mochi, and we're still living off of that potential. Tanaka hasn't really had that, 
slow and steady. He's gotten a little bit better. You know, we we talked to Jay on this podcast a few months ago, and he was like, look, the guy can do all the flying that Takuma Fujiwara could do, and he's better looking. So I think very highly of Tanaka. I have him at fifth. We will get to Tanaka in a second for me, but I largely co-sign everything you just said here. Uh, my number four, and I think... I might be a little bit lower on this just because we're getting to a point now where he's been out a significant portion. The uh, rookie ranks have kind of filled in behind him and since his return, and that's Yoshiki Kato. I think with his size, you can't discount the idea of he big, and that in this promotion, being big usually pans out unless you are uh, Takashi Yoshida. And (laughs) It's just a better than 0% chance that I think I could... I wouldn't put my house down on Yoshiki Kato getting a Dreamgate shot, let alone a Dreamgate run, but I think that it, it, if he's able to get healthy and if his uh, and if things come together for him, I think that it, you should expect it down the line. I Look, there's... No, no matter how Kato develops, there is money in him versus Revolution down the line. It's not a match that I would touch for quite a while, but those are the two biggest guys. Kato's a power junior. Revolution is a is a, a giant high flyer. It's it's natural. It's there. They're going to do it at some point. And if I were Drangate, I would imagine they're hoping to do it at Kobe World someday. You know, whether it happens at World or in Osaka number two is going to be the debate. That that's is where I think a lot of responsibility is going to fall into the hands of Kato. He was my number three. So I, I do you have any other thoughts on Kato or do you want me to reveal my number four? No, no. I mean, it, it's just going to be something where you're getting to the point on my list that, that things are going to have to actively go wrong. And Kato is one of those people that things are going to ha- have to actively go wrong for him not to be a Dreamgate champion at one time. So my list, love the way you said that. Because my number four is a guy who has had everything go wrong for him for almost two years. And if he could just get luck on his side, if he could just have things fall into place, if he could just be right for a little bit, when we talk about main event potential, I have to list Ryo Fuda here. Ahead of Tanaka, ahead of Ishin, ahead of Minorita just for size, and then ahead of Nagano and Yanagiuchi. I can't quit this guy, Mike. Did you watch? We were off last week, and I unplugged from Dragon Gate from the last time we recorded until the Corican show, and I'm just now going back in and filling in the gaps. Did you watch Fuda versus Yoshioka from earlier this month on the house show? I'm trying to think which one that was. I think it was from. September 2nd. I don't remember. No, I that don't remember not. I was in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, was, it was that weekend. Oh, my God. I, yeah, this guy, this guy is a sickness. Yeah. I, they, he and Yoshioka hit each other so hard. And it is just a, a reminder to me. He, he could be something. And the last two years, everything has gone wrong. He saddled himself with the wrong guy. He got hurt. He lied about being hurt, got hurt again, put him in the doghouse some more. He could not have had a worse start, whereas Drangate has a, a real knack for, as I was talking about, you know, chapter one is almost always a success. It's the second version of you as a wrestler where you really see how Drangate wrestlers are, if they're going to succeed or if they're going to fail. 
Fuda is a rare example. He had a bad chapter one. He had a great debut match, and then it went downhill immediately because Fujiwara stole his thunder and Shoya Sato stole his thunder, and then he got hurt, and he got choked out by Kaisuke Akuda, and things only went downhill from there. If Fuda can stay healthy, and whether it's Kung Fuda and Kobe, which I can't believe they're not doing, whether it's something with Mochizuki, whether it's Ishin for the Brave Gate belt, which I really hope they pull the trigger on next month, if he can stay healthy and he can get his head on straight, there is still objectively so much talent there that needs to be explored. My hope is that he can break into that shell a little bit. And I think a unit, I think a nickname, I think a purpose would help him dig out some of that charisma because we're not seeing it in this current run but also, why would you? He's the lowest-ranked guy on the roster that isn't Ichikawa. It took him almost two years to get his first win. He's been through hell behind the scenes. I wouldn't exactly radiate charisma on the screen, but if he can stay on the right path for a certain amount of time, I think he will start to come out of his shell. He, for me, is number four. It just takes so long to get out of that doghouse in this company as soon as you're in it, though, Case. It like- does. It, it does. I mean, but, but first win, you know, it might not mean the world, but I, I feel like it's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. And it's something where he is the person that I felt like I was very realistic putting him seventh. He's the one that can move up the fastest. He's a total He's wild the, card. Yeah. It, it, it's something where you, you are sick. You, you, you love this guy more than probably other than the person that asked for him to be on the Okinawa show, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining guys. I have a good idea. <laughs> I, I, I'm just imagining he's getting brought along it. And I know Jay said on the show that like, part of it is like, you go and you say hi and you get to me and the wrestlers welcome you to Okinawa and imagining like him, like getting ready to do this to the one person asked him there knocks on the door. No one's there. No one's there. <laughs> super, super, Sticko, super Shisa flies in for the weekend too. I was like, well, while I'm at it, let me get Shisa out here. I know he doesn't work for the company anymore, but you now I'm trying to I'm trying to hang with the boys at Okinawa. Yeah, yeah. No, uh yeah, it, it, it's something where I just for the doghouse and the people who get out of the doghouse and reach that level, it's a very small group. And if anyone I, I I mean, uh, frankly, Eita Shoto is done. And yeah. if Fuda's able to pull that off there, there is a path forward. I just, you know, I, he's the one person out of the list of nine people that we could be back here on uh, on September 12th, 2024. And I'd be like, yep, nope, he's still exactly where he's at. And it would he, not yeah, surprise he, me. He could, he could either be Twin Gate champion, he could be where he is, or he could be gone from the company. And I <laughs> don't know. He could be getting knocked out by Shrek Sakane. Like, he, anything could be happening. Like, honestly. Lo, 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 like, that, that, that's not me just doing some partisan shot at Galit. That, 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 that's reality with this guy. Like, he could be doing that. Uh, so, he was your number three, right? He was, he was my four. Kato was my three. Okay. Does my that leave three. us with one? In, well, yeah, who was your three? My three, Ryoya Tanaka, because... There's few things that this company loves more than a young hunk. And That's he's true. The, That's true. And he's the hunkiest out of the group. They've already put the focus on him with the uh, YouTube series. They 
made sure that he was on the Kobe World card. Daiki wasn't on that card. Nagano might have been like further down that thing, but they made sure that the rookie select was Junior and Tanaka. This guy is going to have the path to success, if only because he's a little hunk. Yeah, look, look, it, 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 and that's not me being flippant. That is an actual course of action within this company. So, oh no, I mean anybody. I, I would hope anybody that's watched five minutes of Drangi would realize being a hunk is to your advantage. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the hunkiest, so he gets like a benefit upwards. Uh, what is so that was my number three. My number two is Tien. Oh, oh, I love this. OK, all right. My number two is Junior. I but oh, my God. OK, all right. All right. Uh, uh, all right. So, so here's how I, I want to propose. You lay out the argument why Tien Revolution is the number one can't can't miss guaranteed dreamgate uh competitor frontline player and i'll give juniors okay oh oh i'm stoked on this okay all right the 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 argument for tn is simple it's promo and size he can talk and he's big that is going to get him so much further in this company than a sick tope suicida and i think what we just saw in corican means that drangate is uh, you know again junior got a very coveted debut position junior main evented in his debut in cork and hall but it was a surprise debut and there was an angle around it the draw to this cork and show was partially shimizu versus ben k the draw was come see tn revolution takuma takuma nishikawa come see him debut in cork and hall and 1300 people showed up and they were salivating at his every move and for as much as I love Junior, and I love Junior, it is just hard to ignore what we just saw in front of us mere days ago. So you brought up that there's a reason why Junior debuted as a surprise. And that in of itself, let alone this kid's uh, preternatural ability to seize the moment. Every single time he, we talk about someone in a big time match. What do we say about Junior Case? He grabs the bull by the horns. He knocks out of the park whatever aphorism you want to use. He is the big-time player out of this generation. And that's on top of the fact that he has something that, yes, Tien Revolution is special. He is different. But he is not the son of Masaki Mochizuki. He is not someone who's the subject of a... A, a autobiography by his father that is outselling like Saki Akai's photo book right Oof. now. Like it is like, <laughs> I, a... I, I would like to buy both, <laughs> but, but no, it, it is something that like Mochi's book. And we'll talk a little bit about Mochi in a little bit, but Mochi's book is for, for whatever it was they were posting, like out of wrestling books in Japan, the top selling book on Amazon, at, at least in the category that he chose. Yeah. Junior, no, I, I, I... Junior is going to be, in a special position, unique on his own. It is something where you already have his faded, uh, his his eternal rival, Anishin. You already have that. Uh, Tian, sadly, at this point, does not have that. And it is something where, though, when you line up the things that you really want for someone who's not just going to be a big six, but be someone to base your company around for the next 10, 15 years, I think Junior just gets him by a nose like if they are one and two like i don't see an argument where any of the other seven can be ahead of them i think what it comes down to in a way is if it's going to be the fact that uh, junior is just 
different being the son of Masaki Mochizuki or is Tien's like preternatural uh, charisma and promo abilities going to be the leg up? I feel like. I, I've said for months, I think Junior is underrated. And I, I think that, you know, part of it is he just hasn't really broken out of his bubble. You know, I think when he debuted, it was like, oh my God, Mochizuki has a son. How cool. And then last summer was such a mess that people were focused on other things other than actually watching Dragon Gate. So I don't think, I just don't think a lot of people have watched him wrestle. I'm, I'm floored every time I see him. I'm still hot. You know, not a lot of like wrestling discourse things bother me, but Voices of Wrestling did the 30 under 30, which was a great project, uh, you know, well-organized, well-thought-out, good execution. I liked the entire thing. I think I was the only person that voted for Mochizuki Jr., and that annoyed me for a few days because I think at this time next year, he could, he should be a guy that is un- universally thought of as a top 10 guy for being under 30 years old, and he's like 21. I mean, he's sickeningly young. He is... So impressive. I talk all the time. Drangate knows it because he's been on the roster for almost 18 months now, and he's constantly doing something. We talk about the cycling up, the cycling down. Sometimes I think it's a little bit overrated by pundits and just the, and the, and the way they sort of harp on that as a Drangate booking pattern, but it does happen. It does exist. It's not a knock on anybody specifically. Junior is not cycled out. He is always in the mix. He's always doing something. And I still think he is the most interesting guy on the roster. Every show, every card that comes out, my eyes go to what is Mochizuki Jr. doing? And it's a testament to him. And then I got to shout out my boy, Yasushi Kanda, for making M3K what it has become, which I think, I, I would hope people look at M3K as just an overwhelming success. This was a nostalgia unit that if if Junior wasn't the talent he is, and the old guys didn't deliver the way that they are, they could have killed this thing off last December and nobody would have thought anything of it. But I, I've said repeatedly, I don't want M3K to die because I still think you have to do Susumu and Kanda versus the Mochizukis. I still think you obviously have Junior versus his father on the table, the first match, the second match, the third match. There's multiple incarnations of what that could be. And that unit is just interesting. Like every show, I feel like M3K, they might not always have the best match, but when they're actually doing something on the card, they always deliver. And that is largely by way of the talent of Mochizuki Jr. Yeah, it, it, it's something where I, it, we have to remind ourselves that he only crossed his anniversary and all of these things so soon. And it's and he was, a, he was also hurt. Like realistically, mm-hmm. he's wrestled 12 months. Yeah. It's wild. It he is. just he that's you know it, it's interesting getting into the nitty gritty of it, I, and I don't I don't want you know it, hopefully other people find this interesting, but you know Nishikawa has like this raw. You step into a room and you know he's a star kind of charisma. We were just we were talking off the air about you know people people that we've been around that it's like oh they're in a room this is different this is this is somebody that matters. And Mochi Junior doesn't carry himself like that, but he's an in the moment guy. I will I will alienate our European listeners when I say this, but I think you specifically will know what I mean. Mochizuki Jr. kind of carries himself like a starting pitcher that comes in in relief in the World Series. Like he started three days ago and now he's throwing the sixth, seventh, and eighth just because his team needs him so much. He he will lead an army one day. I love this kid. Yeah, he's Randy Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> Mochizuki no. Jr. is Randy Johnson, and I have no further comment. Yeah, and no need to elaborate anymore. Uh, 
uh, let's go over our list once more just so that we can kind of put a bow on it uh uh mine of course i think junior at the top of the future generation and the one most likely to be the biggest frontline player or dreamgate champion then after him uh tian revolution uh ryoya tanaka yoshiki kato there there is my line of those are the four that i fully expect it minorita we can't count out at fifth and then ishin fuda daiki yanagiuchi and kaito naganos as the ones i don't expect that in their future for me, it was Tien Revolution, Mochizuki Jr., Yoshiki Kato, Ryofuda, Ryoya Tanaka, Ishin Minorita, Kaito Nagano, and Daiki Yanagiuchi. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous round bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yep. So nine. We're back to nine. Like it's back to it, nine. Well, that's, I, 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 yeah, r- real quick, you know, along the way, the friends we've lost in battle include Ricky Hashi. Shoya Sato, uh, you know, if you want to count SB Kento, uh, he was a little bit before the future class, uh, Takuma Fujiwara, and then Sora Fujikawa did not debut as a member of future, but then he was relegated back to future and then shortly after quit the company. 
he got Mochizuki'd. Yeah. He, I, God, that, that is, that is a guy I think about a lot. I mean, there's a, there's a chance, like, there are, like, probably hardcore Dragon Gate fans that just never saw Fujikawa work. I think he worked eight matches and was awesome. And then for those, you know, for those that don't know, he was working a house show against Mochizuki, and Mochizuki kicked him in the face and essentially shattered his face. He took a bunch of time off, and when he came back, he he went from being in the same class as Kakuta and Kamei and SB Kento. They put him in the future class with like Hayaka, uh, uh, with Minorita and the Hashis and Fuda, and I think he did like two future matches, and then he pieced out, and that was. It was it, it was strange. It, it was a, it's a very sad situation, you know. So you look at this list. You've got nine guys. Realistically, what you could have had, you know, thirteen or fourteen. And it's a good way of looking at the the young talent in this company because I said this in twenty twenty one, and I said this in twenty twenty two, and I think we've finally sort of fizzled out on this talking point where I said, look, all of these guys are good. Not all of these guys are going to make it. You and I had been through this song and dance before. We had seen classes come in. You know, we saw the class of 2016. We saw the state of all the guys in the millennials, and we were like, oh, my God. You know, Dra- Dragon Gate's got talent for the next 20 years. They're going to be here forever. They're just never going to stop developing. And then you slowly saw guys get hurt, uh, you know, d- digress in talent, leave the promotion, and it is the same thing with the future class I am I am surprised at some of the names that have left, obviously, but I am not surprised that at the end of the day, there's been nine future kids that are now standing. You know, it's just it, it's the way these things go. Uh, any other promotion would commit murder to have nine prospects this skilled on their undercards and one, you know, prodigy main eventer and revolution two if you want to count junior drag gets in a very good spot going forward. Just so people can get a sense of Case's point about Fuchikawa, uh, he only had seven official matches because God, a lot of those crazy. were future kind of performances. And as an official roster member, Case did not perform in Cork and Hall. Did not. Oh, that is a. Oh my God. I never even thought about that. Yep. Not a, an official match. Uh, his uh, only had four matches on stream, including his debut match. It was that. Uh, an Edeon 2 against Fuji, an Edeon 2 against Diamante, and then the uh, uh, the class of 2020 gut check that happened. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, I'm looking at that now. So August 15th, 2020. I don't, I don't know if this is on the network. One. Oh my god, I still remember this match well. It was Kobe Samba Hall, August 15th. It was Fuji, Doi, Kondo, and Susumu against Kenta Kabune, Kakuta, Sora Fuchikawa, and Takedo Kamei. And if we were making comp DVDs, you know, if, if we were doing, you know, what, what Naylor and Schneider did 20 years ago, this would be on, this would be on our comp DVD. This was a fun match. Case, do you worry that our comp DVD would just have uh, Yaveo and then 50-year-olds being the crap out of 20-year-olds? I don't worry about it. I'm aware of it, but I don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, you know, it's like they're they're buying a case in my comp DVD. What do you fucking want a walking brawl? You want a Nick Gage match? Hey, I, I some of those fifties, twenties vet matches are walking brawls, kind of. I mean, Don Fuji's going to try to toss someone over uh, the barricade. I mean, that, hey, that's did, just did Nick Gage versus Vikingo happen? Yes, it did. Oh my god, I heard, I did not hear a word about that GCW show. Oh, the one in, in Chicago. Yeah, what the hell? 
I, 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 did people go to those shows? I completely forgot about this. I think a lot of people kind of spiritually did what I did and decided, oh, wait, we don't have to go to Hoffman Estates anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go. And we're in like one of the coolest cities of the country. Let's actually like be in the city. And I think that's why, <laughs> frankly. That, that match, Vikingo versus Nick Gage has a 7.44 on Cage match. The second comment rates this match a 9.0, and it says, total dream match here, and they delivered. The violence of Nick Gage matches, the violence of Nick Gage matches well with the athleticism of Vikingo, and there are a lot of good spots through this. Perhaps the only flaw here is the lack of a real finish. What a fucking shocker. The 630 centon <laughs> through a door came. <laughs> I, I love this last part. The 630 centon through the door came too much out of nowhere for me. Four and a half stars. <laughs> How dare that? That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Where, like, Terry Funk was all for progression, but he is rolling over in his grave at the 630 centon through the door came too much out of nowhere for me. We uh, we might have lost the plot on wrestling. It might, man. Oh man, I I, I don't know, man. I, I, I... Four, four and a half stars. <laughs> well, I mean that that's clearly worth a half star deduction. Come on, I guarantee this match. If I watched it, I'd give it a two and a quarter. There's no way this was any good. And uh, that's not even that's not even me being anti GCW. I don't want to hear it from those people. It's Vikingo versus Nick Cage. I, there's a zero percent chance that was. There's zero percent chance that was fun for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, case uh, we're talking about dream matches. Well, we're going to get some, or we have the potential to get some because announced yesterday, and I think we have a couple more details we can not for this one, but uh, Masaki Mochizuki is coming to the United States in November and December. Case. Bow, 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 bow. Already announced in Clive, Iowa for the Wrestling Revolver season finale is Misaki Mochizuki. Sammy Callahan has already got with the plot. The rest of the country I've, look, needs I've, to I've, do. I've, I've, I've always been a huge fan of the guy. What can I say? Sammy Callahan, uh, genius wrestling mind, gets it. We share the same values. Do, do, uh, do you think that Mox was like, nah, I worked him back with Gabe. He, he's cool he d- doesn't know how to work. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, given some of the stories, I feel like Masaki Mochizuki might have been like one of the few people he was like, I, I, I like that guy. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. I I don't see Mox being like a big, big Yoshino guy, but he would it would make sense. He likes. Oh, Mochizuki. oh have you read? Have you read his book where he talks about DG USA? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have. I have not. Yeah, it, it's not a lot, but and he's like said in the past that's like working the Japanese guys. Like he was there to work with Gabe, not work Dragon Gate, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is awesome. You know, Mochizuki's going to be in America for part of November and December. I am working very hard to get him in an indie near me. I don't want to make the five hour drive to Iowa, and it should be. Should be awesome. You know, I'm really yeah. I'm really happy for him. I was hoping Junior was going to make the trip with him. He's not. It is just Masaki Mochizuki. But a credit to Wrestling Revolver and any other any of the books. I mean, you're going to be better off with him on your show than without. Yeah, and like the the thing that I think is going to be interesting uh, it is he's going to be in the States. Uh, I, I do have his dates now that I'm looking at it. Uh, 
at least from what I have, that that wrestling revolver show is probably going to be his last date there. Uh, no? yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the dates I have, I'm not, I given through the grapevine. I I'm not willing to like firmly say this, but the dates I'm given, November 10th through the third. Uh, he is. It, it's going to be interesting. I, to my knowledge, he's based out of Texas this time. So I'm hoping that I, I. If anything, I know that there will be places in hopefully Austin or Houston that will book him. Maybe someone in Dallas-Fort Worth can get with the program. Or else case, we might actually have We Are Dragon Gate USA starting off. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would expect this uh, both from a price point, uh, from a location, and just from an overall vibe. I would I would expect this to be very similar to Yamato's deal in the U.S. last year, uh, including being based out of Austin. And the guy that uh, he was on the the intermission of the August Corkin show. He, yeah, I'm blanking I, I on his name. Yeah. I, I can't think of it, but he he had a, I, a brief conversation with Jay that I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I with that I believe it's that. Uh, I, I I guess talking about this, I know that one person who's kind of shouted him out was um was uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, want, kind of wanting to, this match. Uh, I I'm just gonna throw you on the spot here, Case. Uh, three people you want to see against Masaki Mochizuki. In the US, I, I, I can't name three US okay, one wrestlers person, right now. No, no, I, I, I can't. Um, yeah, Speedball, Kevin Blackwood, and uh, the freshly canceled Fred Yehi. I would really like to see all of those matches. I would like to see, I, I think Brian Keith versus Masaki Mochizuki would be fascinating. Yes, I, I, yeah. Keith is, uh, I, I, I think I said this when we talked about Kento a few weeks ago, but I had a conversation with Brian Keith earlier this year just about some of the Japanese guys that he's wrestled and I came away from it thinking really highly of Brian Keith and his mind for wrestling I often complain about a lot of indie wrestlers not sharing the same mind that people like you or I do and while I I you know to my knowledge I, I don't think Keith is necessarily pouring over old Torimon tapes he's a very smart guy and I respect and appreciate his approach to wrestling so yeah that would that would also be on my list it's uh that's good stuff right there and then I there's one person who I think if if they have the match I'd want them to have it would it would make our comp tape case I think you put Masaki Mochizuki in with Alec Price and you go hey uh uh Price you you'll end up getting the one you could defend your belt whatever but you're going to go through it for 15 minutes I really want to see that I think that'd be enjoyable you know look it's Mochi I don't think you can book him in a in the wrong match i just think there are better matches out there uh for him and like i said you know i i i hope indies take advantage of him here you know it's the first time he's been to the states in a decade last time he was here i know this i i can't think of the first match that he worked he worked the last match he had in america was mochi and ar fox versus the young bucks the night before that would have been mochi versus johnny gargano that's that's right. It was Dragon oh, yeah. USA. I should have guessed. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it was one of those things. Uh, just, just like a quick history of Mochizuki in the United States. Uh, real quick. Uh, he had his debut in Chicago. Yes, like, nineteen ninety-five Triple A. Yep, nineteen ninety-five. Uh, it, it, it was one of those things that kind of weirdly just kind of happened, and uh, and then since then. Did not get a lot of U.S. dates until DG USA came through, of course. And I, I, I would say, like, we didn't really, like, kind of talk about this, but 
Mochizuki in Dragon Gate USA, I, I, I feel like the way you kind of describe him and it is a presence, but not necessarily a full-time presence there. Yes. I, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't Shima. He wasn't Yoshino, but he was that next tier below. Yeah. So he basically would show up about once a year, I would say there about like a weekend a year for that. It was hard. Like you couldn't really like the, like the big storyline, like the his biggest storyline was with the DUF. Like that, like, what can we say about that? Because it was like Susumu Mochizuki versus uh, Eric Cannon and Sammy Callahan. Like, like that's the only storyline I remember he had. And the DUF aged well. I, I that was my big takeaway from our drink at USA series three years ago was eh, this unit was actually pretty good. I don't have a way to transition that back into anything. Case <laughs> I, I was going to, I was going to. Hey, here's one I'll throw. This is not the transition. This is the one I was going to pitch you. Speaking about DUFs, let's talk about some big nasties. Bin K versus Shimizu. Wow. From oh, well, real, real quick, can we can we talk about Kakuta for just a second? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so. Everybody rewind here. We're going to go back to Cork and Hall. September 7th, Nishikawa debut, that six-man tag. I, I saw some chatter, and I don't think they're wrong for this. I, I, I want your opinion here because I'm a little conflicted. Hey, is it a problem that Takuma Nishikawa, TN Revolution, sort of showed up the Dreamgate champion and really stole the spotlight from him in that six-man tag? Is that a problem for you, or is it not? I don't think it's a problem. It it is something where I kind of, in a way, see it similar to the feeling I had coming out of Dangerous Gate with uh, Kakuda, that it feels like that he's someone that's reaching the end of his title run. Like it, it, that was kind of the energy I got. Like that was like, oh yeah, no, he showed him up here. Yeah, he showed up the champion. Probably another sign why Kakuda. Uh, has probably till the end of the year as champion. I, I I will reference the most famous match in Dragon Gate history, the 33106 Supercard of Honor match, in which before they went out there, Gabe Sapolsky asked them what they were going to do, and Shima was like, watch, watch, this is going to be a Dragon Kid match. And then sure enough, Dragon Kid was the star of the match. I think it was very intentional. Everybody cleared the way for Nishikawa, made him look as good as he possibly could, I don't see it as a reflection of Kakuta at all, but it got me thinking because the stock of Kakuta, I don't want to say it's plummeted, but it has certainly dropped since May 5th of this year when he won the Dreamgate title due to the uh, lackluster defense at Kobe World and then a dangerous gate match that I don't think fully lived up to the hype. We're in a very interesting position with him. I, I don't know how to feel when I talk about, say, the best wrestlers in the world just from an in-ring perspective. Kakuta has as many four-star matches in Drangate as anybody else for me this year. He and Yoshioka, I think, are neck and neck. They, they basically have like 14 or 15 matches at four stars or above this year. But his Dreamgate run has been disappointing. And I'm starting to sort of question, well, if his Dreamgate matches are bad, especially if what we all expect to be the Shimizu match in Osaka isn't as good as we think it's going to be, can I say this guy's a top 10 wrestler in the world? I don't think you could, honestly. And, 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 I, and, I, yeah. and I think I was there when he won the title. Yeah, and I think that it's something where the, the there's kind of a knot to unravel with Kakuda that I feel like we're still we're starting to get into with him, and especially with this style run. It is something where it felt like they had the story and they told it, and 
chapter two or chapter three of the story did not really have a, a, as much meat to it as the story itself. You know, you know, you know what I wish they would have done, and I, I don't, I don't even say this. Uh, you know, I'll try not to say it from a fantasy booking perspective. I just, I think it would have helped everything breathe. The gap between Dangerous Gate and Gate of Destiny, so the time period we're in, he should have had a, a Dream Gate defense in Corkin against like Don Fuji, like a short. 12 14 minute dreamgate match hit hard you know gato clutch near fall nice german near fall have kakuta show fire and have kakuta win i think everything surrounding him right now is super tense and they need to let that tension go somehow but they're not it's going to build up to gate of destiny now and again what we're assuming is going to be a big boss shimizu match maybe that timeline is expedited because i thought they would wait for osaka to do the Strong Machine J match and said they're doing it this weekend in Kyoto. So maybe that timeline is off in my head. I just think he needed he needed something simple. He's been given these big platforms and it hasn't gone great. He needed an environment that he was comfortable in. And I think they've made a mistake by not providing that for him. Yeah, and to like underline that point, because I think you're because I think you're onto something. Uh when you like look at the landscape for a Dreamgate champion, especially a first-time babyface Dreamgate champion, what is the easy thing to do to make your babyface champion feel like more of a champion? What's that? You have the heel unit, the heavy hitters in the heel unit, take a run of the babyface. Take a yep. run of the champion. Well, look, that's been... It's not, it's not possible to do that with Zebrats. It's just not, and it's something that i feel like i've been alone in saying like i don't think zebrats is doing so great or zebrats needs to do something with that because it is something where you could have had like a very easy scenario where years ago like cyber kong title defense happening here you know as like that kind of thing like it's not something that's a good thing but like you would have that pressure release you know that be able to blow off that same and i think that that also kind of plays a part in this because without having like these obvious things and going with the Rewa 6 storyline, it is something that that's a lot to kind of work around and get your way through it. So then you have the Dreamgate matches we've had. We've had a D-Courage versus D-Courage underwhelming Dreamgate match at Kobe World. And we had a match that just did not feel like it lived up to it and him and Minora. And well, well, you're exactly right, because my complaint about both those matches going into it was who's the baby face, who's the heel? And I wasn't yeah. sure until they got in the ring and started wrestling which role Kakuta was going to be in. And that's why I still hold out hope for this title run to some degree where I go, well, if he can just. If he can be aligned properly, I think we can see some good in this, because for, a, you know, from August of 22 through May of 23, he was the ultimate underdog babyface in every match, and it was great. The problem is now we're heading into a Shimizu match where, let's say it's in Osaka, Shimizu, is, that's his hometown, and he's run through all of these guys. He's going to be the babyface, and I don't trust them to present Kakuta as a heel. Yeah, and I think, in a way, almost in the two title matches he's had, the likely third that's coming up, it feels kind of like Kakuta should have been the heel, does it? Like yes, I, that, I I said this after Dangerous Gate. He needs to do yeah. a Nigel if they're going to keep the belt on him, and I don't think they should. And we could talk about Shimizu here. 
I think Shimizu should win the title. I am, I am trying uh, to come up with an idea that isn't Shimizu wins and then Shun beats Shimizu and then it's <laughs> yeah. Luis Meza versus Shun at World next year. I, I kind of refuse to believe there's a better path than that. Uh, T and Revolution is going to have his time. He doesn't need the Dream Game belt now. He doesn't need it soon. I am really struggling to think, what are they going to do if Kakuta beats Shimizu? Because it just seems like they have a path on a platter here, and they need to take advantage of it. And if they don't, Kakuta has to shift direction. He has to do the Nigel. And if he pulls the Nigel... We're blowing it all up, and we're building re- we're building a complete new unit landscape, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, if you get to that point, it, it, it's not just the nuclear option. You are just decimating and waiting to build again. I, I, I think it's something with Shimizu where this match at Corkin versus Benkei, uh, Sh- uh, Shimizu now is three and one in this series uh, with this one, and. It is something where each one of these matches, and especially like this one with Benkei, I have really enjoyed some of the heavyweight wrestling we've seen out of Dragon Gate over the last few yeah, months. Like, absolutely. Like, I I was the sucker who was loving the Kakuta versus Yoshida match during King of Gate. Like, <laughs> the, the, there has been something with that. I know, Case, you had the written review go up yesterday about this, and you made the comparison to Hobbs and Miro from Chicago. But it is something where, in this match, I like the role that Ben took. Ben felt in command. He felt like it was something where you could see how this character can take different elements. You could see how it is in this kind of role. You can even now kind of see Chicky Chicky Sensei as a heel in a way, right? Like, it is something that I think when we talk about this reinvention of Ben K, this is a match that needs to be pointed out here just because of the kind of of wrestling from him in this kind of context that just would not have happened this time last year and it's just so thrilling to see this guy kind of progress and discover himself in this way where i can be like yeah i kind of want to see what's going to be like evil chicky chicky sensei is going to be you know oh my god absolutely i mean look i i love this match i loved everything about it ben being as dominant as he was in the early going i thought was such an interesting way of working this because you know, we we hit a point of the match about halfway through where I thought, you know, this is a little dry. You know, this is not not a super exciting match because Ben is just dominating it. Then Shimizu slowly crawled back into it in a way that was super compelling. And this is the run that I've always dreamed of from Shimizu. I, I mean, I really think he's doing top-notch stuff here. I don't think he's going to get rewarded at the end of it with a Dreamgate run. And I think that's a mistake. I think he absolutely should because what we're witnessing right now is the best run of Shimizu's career. He's been great from the promo on May 11th and Cork and Hall through now. Yeah, it's been it's been very enjoyable to watch. And it's something with him that for years this was kind of the one thing missing. He was one of the like more inspired tag team wrestlers I would say of the last decade, and he's had multiple partners to show that. He's shown up in big matches, and it is something that we're seeing week by week and really each match in this series more and more. The Shimizu that kind of we saw glimmers of in 2013, like when he was just a kid, and it was just like, oh, he has the shot put slam and die of hearts, and 
he was losing his gear there but th there was always like this glimmer here that he, in some ways that uh it was understood that he kind of got in his way or like that but now we are seeing the promise of big boss shimizu and it's something where i know how easy it is and how logical your shimizu to shun to louise um path is but i just don't want to see him be a, a zero key champion because i feel like for that story to happen skywalker has to come and squash him and i don't and i want to see where this can go i want to well, see I, I, what you what what a Dreamgate run of this shimizu is is now on the table and it feels much more realistic than any time in the last seven years of doing this show I I would love to explore that, but I, I also think Shimizu, much like Hakuta, his story is in the chase, and Shimizu hoisting the belt above his head in Osaka after running through guys that counted him out very publicly in May, that's the story. You've, you've squeezed as much as you can out of Shimizu at that point, and if he falls victim to an SSW and a boot to the face and whatever, great. That is that is the tax of the success that you've had. But I would not hold off on making the the move to Shimizu being the champion just because he has to eventually get beat again. But and I guess another way to to kind of like that point uh, is it something that to be a little worried about having basically two story champions and then the first one being not really having a follow-up and then the second one being a zero key no because i think they're i think skywalker's in the same boat i think i think we're prolonging this Dreamgate lineage until we get to louis meza that's the guy that's who they're keeping the seat warm for okay and they, okay. they, they I, might I, not I see think it that, they, they might not think that about kakuta but we're living in a reality where that's what i think of kakuta that's fair. That, that that's entirely fair with that. So uh, after the match, uh, the, then Shimizu cut the promo, setting up and calling out everyone. Uh, this time it was Strong Machine JSK mentioned. That's the next one up. Nothing from Yoshioka, and I think that's going to be your October Corkin main event. Uh, ooh, main event is interesting. I yeah I. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a big match. I, I also, I guess I got to look real quick. I can't think of a Shimizu-Yoshioka singles match. Does one, does one come to mind for you? No, no, not, not really. And then I'd almost be tempted to push that to Gate of Origin three days later, actually. Now that I'm looking at the schedule and how everything's laid out, I'm like, oh, you got Cork, and then three days later, you got to be in Sendai. I think you can make that a Sendai match and be okay with that show. So they did. They, they've had five singles matches. Shimizu has won all of them. Next, 151, a house show in 2017 in Okayama. Next, 160. Next, 166. Prime Zone 82. That's a first-timer, baby. Yes, in as essence, well, that match well has never happened before. That is... That is interesting. I was already looking forward to that match, and I hadn't really thought about that until now. So, yes, I would expect Shimizu to beat Strong Machine J, and then you're right. They've they've got some options here. The, oh, man, you know, the more we talk about this, the more I think they're going to do Shimizu versus Kakuta at Origin. And I think that's a horrible mistake, because they can burn the Yoshioka match in Osaka and then set up, you know, do Decourage versus Vibes in the 
in the main event of Cork in October, and then you know they're doing the match. I think Gate of Origins October fifteenth this year. That seems like a horrible uh, mistake. It's October 9th. It's two days after Cork and three days. Yeah, just it seemed like they would do Jay in Osaka at the end of the month, and then Yoshioka in Cork in. And then give it a month build to Osaka. And the reason we've circled Osaka is that Shimizu is hometown. You know, they did him versus Kai last year for Champion Gate. And it drew well, and Shimizu got a good reaction. And it just seems like this story is bigger. You would want to scale up. But now that they have Jay and Kyoto, I worry that they'll do Yoshioka and Osaka. And then they'll really expedite this and do it in October. And if they do it in October, there's no way that Shimizu wins. Yeah, and then if you're doing it in October at that point, I think you have to do it at Corkin. Yeah, you know, like... And then I don't, I don't even know what they'd have for Gate of Destiny. I mean, this feels like such the obvious direction for the Dreamgate belt. I don't mm-hmm. know. You, you've scared me now. I came into this podcast having a pretty confident idea of what was going on, and now I'm really afraid of what might happen in the next few weeks. No, I, I, I totally get that. And it's something where, like, just, just so everyone knows, the schedule for the remainder of the month, they will be in Kyoto on Saturday. Uh, then they are have house shows up until Osaka number two on the 24th, and then they finish out the next weekend in uh, Kobe Sambo Hall before doing uh, Boyadan 03 on the 5th, uh, Tokyo on the 6th, and then Gate of Origin that Monday. There you go. Mike, do you have any other thoughts on this Korokin show? You know, it was something where those two, like, this is my main in the in the main carry <laughs> this. Like there was the really fun three way Don Fuji, Misaki, Mochizuki, Komawa, Chikawa match. Like just if anything for like the finish, Don Fuji stealing the the win with his Boston crap, trying to do a double team. That was like my only other like real big thought on this show. Like to be honest, it was something where this was a show that was built around two things. It was built around. Shimizu's next match in the Reiwa Six and the debut of Takuma Nishikawa. Like, that was it. Indeed, indeed. That is going to be the same case for this weekend show in Kyoto. Let's talk about this card real quick before we go. There's a few shows this weekend, but this one is airing on the Dragon Gate Network, so we'll talk about this here. September 16th, which is Saturday, KBS Hall. It is D-Courage, Kakuta, Yoshioka, and Dragon Daya versus Dragon Kid, Eita, and Takashi Yoshida. Coach Minoru and Benkei versus Kagatora and my man, Ryofuda. Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Yasushi Kanda versus Kai, Hyo, and Ishin. Genki Horiguchi and UT versus Naruki Doi and Kaito Nagano. And then the two matches that matter, Shimizu versus Strong Machine J, and Yamato, Shuji Kondo, and TN Revolution versus KZ, Jason Lee, and Jackie Funky Kame. Yeah, this is a fun one. Like, you still have the Z-Brat problem, but you're going to put them with M3K, so you're kind of getting all your brawling out there, which, I've, which I'm a fan of that that at least leads us to. I'm intrigued by, actually, Ginky and UT versus Doi and Nagano. That is a weird match. I, you, you, you know it's going to break my heart to say this. I really wish Ginky wasn't in that match. I wish it yeah. was... Even... If it was Kagatora, because Kagatora moves around a little bit better, I just... Look, personally, Genki is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. He is fully shot, and I don't think he can hang with Doi and Nagano and even teaming with Yuta. Yeah, like, that's it. But but it's a fun card. Like, it's something, I mean... 
Uh, Fuda getting uh, with, teaming with Kagatora, I like. I think it makes sense. I, I, I'm wondering, though. Like, So that's our big show of the weekend. They do have shows coming up. Uh, they have a hometown show for Sachi and then a show on Monday. There is some spice on these shows coming up on YouTube this weekend that I want to touch on. Yeah, yeah, point them out real quick. Real quick. Uh, this Okayama show, uh, how does Susumu and Junior versus Kota Minora and Benke as an opener sound to you? That sounds like a lot of fun. How does TN Revolution versus Daiki Yanagiuchi sound to you? Sounds like something I would buy a ticket to if I was near Okayama. Case, how does... Big Boss Shimizu, Jason Lee, and Jackie Funky Kamei versus Yamato, Sachi Hoko Boy, and Ria Fuda sound to you. It sounds like a lot of fun. And all of those will be on Okayama. And then even uh, even Mochi and Kanda versus Strong Machine J and Yuchi. That sounds like a fun little match. Yeah, there's just a lot here for that one. And then just moving ahead to Monday, they're having TN, and we'd be remiss not to like bring this up here because now it's tax. He's running through his generation. Yes. Like, and next up, uh, he got Tanaka, the most recent debut. Then he's going for Yanagiuchi. Then it's Nagano. That means coming up soon, we're going to get big boys. I hope. I, I, I know that, that they should keep them apart, but it looks like that. that because they're getting Nagano and uh, Takamatsu. That that seems to be the highlight match. But there is also a case. Ryu Fuda has heard your hopes and dreams because he's going up against Masaki Mochizuki in a rematch of his debut match which yeah those both those both both look like a lot of fun I'm, I'm into that and then I hope on the YouTube upload I hope we get Mochi versus Fuda Revolution versus Nagano and Minora and Ben versus Jason and UT and not Shimizu Strong Machine J and Kamei versus Kai Hyo and Ishin I'm sure that match will be fine but the other three matches sound way more exciting and they're basically running the same match as JFK's homecoming match the next day Yes, there you go. I'm just like, I, I, and it's something that we've gone over enough. I'm the Zebrat situation has gotten me down. Like, I'm just tired of because it's like because like on that Okayama show, D Courage versus Zebrats is main eventing. We've seen. Yep. We, we, we got to have something coming up here. We got to have it, some. It, it hurts. It hurts up. when Shun's not there. If Shun was back, it wouldn't bother me. But but Shun's still gone. I should note on that Kamei homecoming show. Dragon Kid and TN Revolution versus Dragon Daya and Kaitanagano. That rocks. That uh, Kid and Daya, like pointedly being on different sides of that match. Yeah, Pointed. yeah, that's that's interesting. The- uh, real quick, Mike, let's do a production meeting on air. I told yep. you I okay. cannot record next Tuesday. Do you mm-hmm. want to do Monday instead? I can make Monday work. Yeah. Great. All right, we'll be back with an episode uh, recorded next Monday night and up in your podcast feed on Tuesday. Yep, and I think that's going to actually be uh, do it for us here tonight. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Open Voicegate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Uh, case, any last thoughts before we're out of here? Uh, I'm I'm I really enjoyed Dragon Gate this past week. I hope this weekend doesn't let me down. Yeah, and I hope all of these TN Revolution matches make the YouTube uploads. We 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 need to see him kind of put. Uh, his peers in their place like uh, i'm ready for it but i think i think unless unless he bombs i think we're gonna see him yeah i think that those will probably be on those uploads and we'll be back on monday to talk all about it and have a good rest of your week everyone take care bye hello voices of wrestling listener dave ryan here have you ever wondered to yourself 
How many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.